the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The writer to the Hebrews focuses on Joseph and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the question is why? Why was this the evidence of dying faith? Why not anything he said to Reuben or Simeon or Levi or Judah? The, the Messiah's tribe. Why Ephraim and Manasseh? It's because this particular blessing revealed a specific conviction about God's power to fulfill his word. Let's think this thing through. You know, it's great to have both the Genesis accounts of the patriarchs' lives and the commentary found in Hebrews 11. Genesis gives us quite a few details about the lives led by the heroes of the faith. And it gives a grand picture of the history of God's plan for the salvation of mankind. But the author of Hebrews had a divinely inspired message that highlighted certain events in the lives of certain people that should encourage us to live in faith just like the patriarchs did. Today on Verse by Verse, we are studying the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And this lesson about the heroes of the faith is the conclusion of Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff's fifth message on the subject. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. His expository preaching and useful applications have led to the formation of verse-by-verse -verse ministries and this daily radio Bible class. While he still serves at Lakeside, Verse-by-Verse -verse Ministries oversees the production of these practical Bible lessons. To find out how you can learn more about Verse-by-Verse -verse Ministries, keep listening at the conclusion of our program for the information I'll have for you then. In our last class, Pastor Steve had been describing some of the wonders that are in store for the people who trust in Christ for salvation. We have some amazing things to look forward to. Jacob was looking forward as well, and so was the Apostle Paul. Now, if you want to follow in your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's take a look at Paul's perspective on the importance of our present circumstances as opposed to our future circumstances. Then we'll head back to Hebrews 11 and Genesis 47 to look at Jacob's faith in the light of what we read about Paul. Now, here is Pastor Steve. Paul really did not have an easy life as a Christian. But he wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We who uh, suffer, as Paul said, he suffered in ministry. We don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, though we're getting older, he's saying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. God is doing a work in us that's far greater than what we can see on the outside. That's what he's saying. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Watch this. For the things which are seen are temporal. That is to say they pass away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That's a great statement. 
That's a great statement. This is why our minds need to meditate on spiritual realities that you don't see, but the Bible teaches. Not on our physical surroundings and possessions. It's not to say that you go through life blind and you're not aware of things, but you don't dwell on that stuff. You don't meditate on that. That's not what's real. In fact, spiritual realities are true realities. The physical really is not because they're, they're going to pass away someday. They're just, you can touch them now. You can feel them, but they're, they're not really the eternal realities. The things that are real and lasting are things that we can't see, spiritual realities, what God's word says. But what we see, those things won't last. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, if you know Jesus Christ and you are risen with him, then dwell on the things that are above. Don't dwell on the things of this earth. You need to ask God, we all need to ask God to make spiritual realities more vivid to you than ever before and to, and, and asking him to help us to think more often about those things, not the things of this world. So I think that uh, we can learn from Isaac that he believed God's word as he looked beyond death to their fulfillment, even though someone would have looked at him and said, you're out of your minds. Man, you've got a tent. That's it. And you're talking about blessings and peoples and nations and you got two sons and they're not even married. And you've got them being whole nations. But he believed God's word. Took him a while to come to that point, but he believed God's word. He believed it. Now let's look at the faith of Jacob. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff, top of his cane. Now, the background of this verse is also found in Genesis, but it's Genesis 47. And we just we have to cover this, um, the, read these lengthy portions of Scripture, because if you don't get this, you're not going to understand what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. This is the background. And so uh, it, it's possible that we're going to have to uh, pick up Joseph next week and carry on with that because we don't want to skip over this. We don't want to cut corners. Genesis 47, verse 28. And Jacob lived in the lands of Egypt 17 years, so the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. That is to say, he lived in Canaan for most of his life, but for 17, he came down to Egypt. When the time for Israel, and now Israel, uh, he's using, the writer's using Israel's name as just a synonym for Jacob. So if you see that, don't, don't let that bother you. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, please, if I have found favor in your sight, please uh, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. That is, he's saying swear. That was an ancient custom. Put your hand under my thigh. And when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. That is the land of Canaan. And he said, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed and worshipped at the head of his bed. Now we go into chapter 48. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel collected his strength and sat up in his bed. 
Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And we won't go back into the background, but if you were to go back into Genesis, you'd see that God appeared to Jacob and reaffirmed the Abrahamic covenant. He said, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I'll make you a company of peoples and will give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. And so he's just reaffirming the Abrahamic covenant goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And now your sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. He said, I'm adopting them. It's like they're mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of of their brothers in their inheritance. Now, as for me, when I came from Paddan, Rachel died. Rachel was his wife, one of his wives, to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey when there was still some distance to go to uh, Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem, the writer is telling us. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim and the right hand would be the the hand of blessing. That's the main hand of blessing. He laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, evil, bless the lads, and may my name live on in them. And the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, that they may grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. What he's doing is he's giving the Abrahamic covenant. He's passing on his inheritance. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, No, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your hand on his head. Well, watch this. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. He shall also become a people, and he also shall be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, shall pronounce blessing, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers, and I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hands of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. Unlike his father, Isaac, Jacob pronounced a blessing on Joseph and his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, knowing exactly who he was conferring the blessing on. You probably remember a few days ago that we read about Jacob tricking his nearly blind father Isaac into blessing him instead of his older brother Esau. 
Now, here is Jacob giving to the younger child the blessing that people expected the elder son to get, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Jacob certainly had some spiritual lows in his life, but at this point he knew who God wanted to have the blessings. He even violated the expectations of Joseph and his whole culture in giving that blessing to the one he knew God wanted to receive it. Faith is obedient, even when it's inconvenient. In just a minute, we'll get back to Jacob to hear more about what made this blessing such an act of faith. We would like to welcome those of you who just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel for over 25 years. Today's Bible Class of the Air is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's fifth message covering the heroes of the faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. If you missed the start of class or you just want to hear it again, I'll tell you how to do that at the end of our lesson. But we don't have a lot of time now, so let's get back to class for the conclusion of Pastor Steve's lesson about Jacob's blessing upon his grandsons. And we'll learn from Jacob some principles that we can apply to our own lives. As you read the life, if you were to go back in Genesis and read the life of Jacob, you would not see a spiritual giant. You would see a man who was up and down spiritually in his life. A man who believed God, but not a man who was consistent, not a man who walked with the Lord in a, in a consistent, mature fashion, but up and down. He, he, he did not, though, waver in his belief that God would fulfill every one of his promises that he made to Abraham. Now, here's the thing that you want to look at, and you want to think through this. Jacob had 12 sons. That's why we call them the 12 tribes of Israel. He had 12 sons, and in Genesis 49, we are given a, a very um, uh, very emotional setting and situation in which all the sons gather around Jacob, and in his on his dying bed, he blesses them. He gives them a prophetic blessing of what will happen to them and to their tribes. But the writer to the Hebrews doesn't tell us anything about that. Instead, he focuses on Joseph and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the question is, why? Why? Why was this the evidence of dying faith? Why not anything he said to Reuben or Simeon or Levi or Judah, the, the Messiah's tribe? Why Ephraim and Manasseh? It's because this particular blessing revealed a specific conviction about God's power to fulfill his word. Let's think this thing through. When we look closely at this story, remember we just read this, that the blessing that, that Jacob is giving to the sons of Joseph, Jacob purposely crossed his hands. Even though Manasseh was the oldest, Jacob deliberately chose to grant the greater blessing on the younger one, Ephraim. Very, very different. This wasn't the custom of the day. This was out of the ordinary. It was not the usual procedure. And even when Joseph, his beloved son, protested to him, Jacob responded with the words, I know my son. I know. In other words, I know, Joseph. I know what I'm doing. And I know that this is the divine plan because God has revealed it to me that Ephraim will be blessed more than Manasseh. Ephraim the younger will be greater than Manasseh, the firstborn. And it came to pass, by the way. Ephraim became a very strong tribe. In fact, as you go through the Old Testament, occasionally Ephraim uh, is referred to, the whole nation, I should say, of Israel is referred to as Ephraim. Occasionally you'll read that. 
think especially in the book of Hosea, it speaks of that. So a very strong tribe. But that's not the point. The point is this. What we want to note is that Jacob's faith it was in God's word as he revealed it to him. God apparently revealed to Jacob somehow, some way, that Ephraim was to get the greater blessing than Manasseh. And he went, Jacob went against the custom of his day in blessing the younger one above the older. He went against his son Joseph's protest. He wasn't deceptive. He didn't lie. He just took God's word for it. And he believed that what God told him about the future would come to pass. Now, what does that say to us? And what's the principle here? The principle is that Jacob had learned from some tough experiences that in spite of what man tries to do, God's word always prevails always prevails. And even though his father tried to circumvent God's blessing in, in God's will in blessing Esau over Jacob, God prevailed and made sure that Jacob received the blessing. Now, we need to have a faith like Jacob. You say, what, what are you talking about? What kind of faith is this? A faith that is convinced that God will fulfill his word regardless of custom, regardless of the protests of people, regardless of the sophisticated uh, intellectual arguments that people give, regardless of the opinions of men, regardless of criticisms, regardless of what traditions say, regardless of what loved ones say, Jacob had learned through very hard experiences not to fight God's will. And he had learned not to scheme anymore either. God said it would be this way with Ephraim, and Jacob believed him and just blessed him. You see, just as God used the strange events of Jacob's life to convince him that God always accomplishes his plan, you've got to look back at your life. You say, you know, there have been times I've schemed, times I've tried to, to do things that I shouldn't have done, times I, I tried to, to circumvent this thing and that thing, and, and yet, as I look back, I see that God's will always prevailed. God somehow always got his way, because his way is right. And as you look back over your, the course of your Christian life and you see that, uh, and, you, and you study the word of God and you see that even though uh, we have blown it in our lives too, God somehow always has his sovereign plan prevail. That brings great conviction in your heart that God's word is true. Great conviction that what God says will absolutely happen. And those who would come along and deny our faith, who would say it's unscientific, it's, it's, it's archaic, it's, uh, it, it's, it's uh, just people who are weak need this kind of faith. You know, once you've, you've studied the Word of God and you've seen God work in your own life, you don't care about those things. They do not shake your faith because your faith is in God's Word and it always comes to pass. And I think that's where Jacob was, was coming from. He had learned from his lessons and he believed God. You see, we need to, to, to meet those attacks by saying those, uh, through God's word and through my experience of how God has worked in my life, I know that he can do anything even if it's out of the ordinary. Even if it's something that's different, I believe God. That's why what Jacob did was in faith. In the face of death, he said, Joseph, I know it doesn't make sense. You don't ordinarily do this. But God is, is intervening here, and we're going to follow God. And we're going to do something that is almost unheard of in our world. We will bless. I will bless the younger over the older. That's what God did with me. That's what he's doing here, and I believe him.
and I believe him for the future. When Isaac faced his death, he believed God's word. When Jacob faced his death, he believed God's word. How about you? You say, well, I'm not, I'm not facing death. But if you don't learn to, to live by faith, you'll not learn to die by faith. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Someday, though, you will face death. Will you cringe in fear or face it with triumphant faith? Now, we don't have the time to look at Joseph today. We'll pick that up, Lord willing, next, next time. But even though your body will someday be frail, your faith can be strong. What do you do now in the meantime? You practice and work at taking the word of God by faith, trusting God's word, and though there are attacks on it, you don't dwell on those attacks. You dwell on the spiritual realities. Let me ask you as we bring this to a close, do you really believe the word of God in this very scientific age that mocks the scriptures, at least many mock, do you dare to believe God? His word that has prophetically been fulfilled and will be fulfilled in even uh, more detail as prophecies come to pass. His word that, that proves to be historically accurate. His word that proves to change lives. Do you believe the word of God? That's what faith is. Taking God at his word. That's the way you need to live. You say, well, I don't understand that. It all begins when you take him at his word that Christ died for your sins. And you trust that the only way to get to heaven is through Christ. You may not feel anything. You may not uh, uh, have any uh, bolt of lightning go through you or feel like uh, you have some kind of new revelation. No, you just take God at his word. It, faith is simple trust in the divine word of God. That's all. And once you enter that faith, once you have trusted Christ as the only way to heaven, you begin a life of faith and you walk by faith. You believe God's word for to, to, uh, to deal with your family issues, to, to deal with financial issues, to deal with school problems, to deal with work, to deal with getting along with people, to deal with all kinds of things. And when you die, you still are believing God's word that to be, the Bible says, to be absent from this body is to be present with Jesus Christ. That's God's word for us. You need to believe God. You need to, to almost go through life by, by being aware of, of the realities here, but not focusing on the physical realities, but on the spiritual realities. Someday our lives will be, will be over. And someday before, it'll just be like that. In fact, James says, what is your life? It's like a vapor, puff of smoke. Here today, gone tomorrow. What are you going to do? Are you going to trust God and take him at his word? Or are you going to live your life for the material things? With that very personal challenge, we bring today's class to a conclusion. In our materialistic society, trusting and obeying God really cuts across the social norms. According to surveys, most people lie regularly. Most cheat on tests. The IRS loses billions every year from tax evasion. So who can you trust these days? Well, my friend, you can trust God. He has never lied. He has never failed to keep a promise or tried to slide out of an obligation. There's a good reason that Christ followers are called believers. It's what we do to be transformed from lost people to saved people. Maybe you've never made the faith commitment to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and King. 
Well, if you haven't, then I urge you to do that right now. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For over 25 years, Pastor Steve's clear, expository preaching has been applying the truth of God's Word to the issues we face in our daily lives. Now, through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries, those lessons are available on the air and on the Internet. The more you can listen to this fine radio station, the better. But if you miss a program, you can find it on our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you know someone else who would like to hear today's broadcast, they can listen on the website or download it for listening later. Spend some time there to learn more about Verse by Verse Ministries. Again, the website is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message at one time without announcements, you can order it by telephone. Choose either a cassette or an audio CD by calling us at 727 727- 239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. Please join us next time as we continue to learn from the heroes of the faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.